Hey there, how are you doing? Welcome back to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, podcasting from the heart of the Netherlands. Beautiful little village called Hooglanderveen. <laughs> or uh, in Google pronunciation, Hooglanderveen. <laughs> and uh, I think we're going to have a blast today. This episode is brought to you by my patrons, and it is a fun community with about 200 members, and I've got a long, long list of names, uh, and I, I, I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do my best to mention these patrons from time to time. So here I just want to mention Eve and Jonathan and Julia. We've got Mary, Matthew, Barb, Chris, Ole, Christian, Gary, Ben, Mary, Carol. Rio, uh, Evan, Dennis, Connie, Jan, Mal- Melanie, Galad, Rebecca, Daniel, Ferdinand, William, Edward, Anne, uh, Paul, Christina, Lynn, Kent, Harm, Andrew, and Nadia, Johan, Ralph, and that's just half of the list that I that I have here, so uh, I'll mention some more next week. I'm going to be updating the patron page soon with uh, the projects and the perks also for this new year. Um, it's, I think, maybe the most interesting year for for the patrons because I'll be bringing you, finally, my first international documentaries. And uh, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. Um, am I going to post this on YouTube for the world to see? Or am I going to keep it for the patrons? And I decided for the latter. I'm just going to make these documentaries, at, at least for now, available to my patrons only. Um, so if you want to uh, join that community of monthly supporters and you have a, a buck to spare, then take a look at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. All right. Strange times, lots of things happening in the world. Of course, uh, North America will have a new president uh, about a week from now, and there is still lots of unrest. I, I'm praying and really hoping that uh, that the situation, that everybody will, will keep calm and that we can start building... Uh, a future, and when I say we, uh, of course, it's not just the president of the United States. That new president is also going to have uh, uh, consequences for for the rest of the world, for foreign politics and whatever. So it's it's not just an internal American question who is leading the country. I think the entire world is uh, is more or less uh, influenced by by what's going to happen in the next few. Weeks, we have also a bit of a pol- political crisis here in the Netherlands. Our uh, cabinet, uh, the government, has stepped down today. This is because of um, a scandal that came to light uh, over the past few months regarding um, people that were um, were f- given all sorts of fines and even criminal prosecution just because they made some mistakes in uh, in claiming certain uh, certain certain funds or whatever it's it's a pretty complicated matter um there there is particularly one uh catholic politician who has uh worked for years to bring justice to to uh, these are these are all parents these are all families that were affected um and it if for for many of them it, this this um 
the, the way the government treated them caused irre- irreparable damage, and uh, some, some people even lost their, their jobs, their homes, um, and only now the government is taking responsibility for, for what happened. So we are going to have elections in a few months from now, So uh, and in the meantime, of course, we've got the pandemic still uh, causing a lot of uh, uh, trouble in my country and all over the world. So at least we have the guarantee that uh, things will stay operational when it comes to the whole pandemic, uh, uh, the, the, what is it, the, the policies. Um, the last thing you want is uh, no leadership when we're in such a, a huge health crisis. Speaking of uh, the pandemic, um, everybody is still very much afraid of the this uh, uh, mutation that is currently uh, taking over the UK and is causing uh, uh, so much extra damage um, and so many extra casualties because the the infection rates are much higher with this uh, this UK variant. And of course, there are also some other mutations of the virus in other places of the world. Um, it's probably just a matter of time before that virus that version of the virus starts uh, doing the rounds here in the Netherlands. And I just hope that now that the inoculations have started or the, um, uh, uh, the the vaccines are being distributed, that at least the most vulnerable people are safe. And I'm I'm thinking specifically of my my father and my mom. Uh, both are uh, now uh, in in their 80s, um, and uh, and and extremely vulnerable. My, my dad is in a in a nursing home. Where they have, where they go on on alert almost on a weekly basis now because someone is, gets infected. Uh, one of the visitors brings the virus inside, and then they have to uh, lock down the entire house. It is really frustrating. Um, and and my dad, even though he's a bit more confused than he used to be, still suffers from from being isolated like that. Uh, my sister brought him a, a, a neat little device. Uh, it's like a webcam system that is uh, on top of his his television, and we can call him any any time. Uh, so it's using um, kind of IP connectivity. It's it's like Skype, but a lot of these conferencing tools that we are using a lot, especially during this pandemic, are way too complicated for for people that are uh, suffering from dementia, like my father. So this is a system you we just use an app, we can call him anytime and he can answer or not, uh, but it's it's completely hassle-free. And it's, it's very cool to see that these solutions are now in reach for uh, for almost everyone. Who could have thought that 10 years ago when when, when Skype was still brand new and, and video calls were an exception? I, I remember that I was even streaming my podcast back then on Ustream, and I recently downloaded the entire archive of that uh, service. And it's so funny because the videos themselves are tiny. They're, they're, the, the resolution is like 320 times 240. So it's extremely grainy. But that was kind of what we could afford back then. Our webcams were terrible, of course, but also the bandwidth was nothing compared to what it is now. So it's, it's quite stunning that in, in the span of 10 years... We can now stream in 4K to the world. It's it's absolutely fantastic, um, and and especially in these times of where, where many people live in isolation, having these social tools available to to the world 
is um, is an incredible help in these difficult times. Hope you are safe and and healthy as well. Uh, I've I've heard um, that some of my listeners are currently uh, uh, recovering from an infection or are still being treated for for COVID. So I hope everybody will recover. I'm doing a little bit better than last week. I've, I I'm experiencing that the uh, the planning that I do now. So every day is divided into various sections, and I, I do take my rest in between the sessions uh, that I work is already helping quite a bit. And also the fact that I go to bed early, wake up early, and it's all extremely consistent um, is definitely helping me to, to get stronger. Um, last Saturday, I think I already mentioned this, I did my first run, which was <laughs> very hard but still exhilarating to be able to run again after months and months of hardly being able to walk. So tomorrow, Saturday, I'm going to go out for my second run of the year and hopefully I'll get stronger and stronger. I'm not there yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> not like movies. They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So I've been watching a little bit more of Disney Plus lately. Of course, uh, today is the day that I'm recording this. We get the premiere of WandaVision, which is the first Marvel MCU television series that is, uh, or at least the kind of the new series, because they did have... Uh, the Marvel Universe in, um, in in S.H.I.E.L.D. and I think that was another series uh, I haven't seen any of those series yet <laughs> I have such a big to watch list right now um, maybe maybe sometime later this year uh, but but I'm looking forward to WandaVision the, the, the trailers look very quirky and I think we're I, do, I don't know. We, we need something to cheer us up. So hopefully it's going to be a, uh, another hit for, for Disney. I finally also watched the making of video of uh, the second season of The Mandalorian. So for the first season, they did an entire series. It was like eight episodes, uh, like roundtable interviews with a lot of people involved. That was okay. It did get a little bit long after a while and, and maybe a bit too much um, made for insiders because they went over all the technicalities of filming and directing. This year, they chose to do just one big documentary, also with a lot of interviews of the directors and actors, and they give you some very, very cool glimpses of what how they filmed things, uh, leaving out most of the information about the last episode with the big reveal at the end. So um, I still hope that they will do another episode or maybe a, like a standalone documentary about how they did what they did in that last episode. But it was, it was a very, very cool um, documentary. And, and of course, what they show you is also going to be of major importance to uh, all the other Star Wars series that are currently, at least live action series that are in development and that we hope to see soon. Now, how do I fill the gap that the Mandalorian has left <laughs> in terms of new Star Wars input. Well, I finally got around uh, starting to watch or, and partially rewatch Star Wars Rebels, which is an animated series. Uh, it takes place uh, in in the time frame of the original trilogy, 
and uh, it features the main the, the the main character is called Ezra, which is very cool because my youngest nephew is also called Ezra. <laughs> so it's from from henceforth this will be a Star Wars related name, and it's so cool to have a nephew that is. Well, he's not named after a Star Wars character, of course, because Ezra is a uh, a person from the the Old Testament. But it's it's cool to have that kind of Star Wars family tie. Um, I, I I'm really curious to see how, how that story evolves. The first season was not really my cup of tea. A little bit too much geared towards children, and also the animation is a step back, or at least the the quality of the animated series is a step back compared to the last season of the Clone Wars. We, we've, it's, it's only when you see the first season of, of Star Wars Rebels that you realize how far the Clone Wars has come in that last season. Um, but I've heard that it is getting better over time. I, I do like the overall artwork, um, and the characters are kind of refreshing and, and funny, and, and uh, the story still... Um, a bit lighthearted. I'm now in, in the beginning of the second season. I had already watched part or most of the second season, but I just couldn't recall it. Plus, it, it had a number of references to the Clone Wars series, and I hadn't seen the Clone Wars yet. So I stopped watching at one point. I think at one point. Uh, anyway, I won't spoil it. But there is a, there is an episode that refers very specifically to to the Clone Wars and. That's when I stopped watching. I was like, I first need to watch Clone Wars, otherwise I'm going to be spoiled. And I, I, I will get back. I come back to this whenever I finish the Clone Wars. So now I'm picking this up, and I've just seen the episode where where they first fight Darth Vader, which is really cool. And then Ezra is like, well, who was this? So dark. It, it was so cold in the Force. Is is he a? Uh, is he another uh, imperial officer? And then uh, the other guy says, "No, he is a Sith Lord." And it's it's so cool to see a character within the Star Wars universe who who for the first time encounters Darth Vader and and experiences the dread that we all felt when we saw Darth Vader for the first time in our lives in 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 the real world. And I. I distinctly remember how much that character scared me as a kid. Uh, the entrance in the Tentive Four um, and him strangling that officer on board. It was just like the scariest guy I, I'd ever seen. So uh, it's its cool to, um, to see that somehow integrated because there are still new generations that have never seen Darth Vader. And so they, they are a bit like, like Ezra as well. Um, and then, of course... Later on in the or somewhere I think in the first season of, of Star Wars Rebels, um, you've got the uh, appearance of Ahsoka, uh, but a much much older Ahsoka than than uh, uh, in in the Clone Wars, and it's funny now that I've seen the Clone Wars and I, I I'm rewatching the scenes where you have Ahsoka, the character, the older character in Star Wars Rebels actually does resemble much more the uh, real-life version that we saw in The Mandalorian second season. So, um, yeah, I was a bit... When I saw the episode uh, in season two of The Mandalorian where she appears, I was like, well, she looks so different from the Ahsoka that we knew from The Clone Wars. But I guess it's, I just missed the information from, from Star Wars Rebels. 
So I'm having a, having a blast watch, re-watching that, and it's so cool to still have some Star Wars to discover. It's like Star Trek as well. Um, I still haven't finished Deep Space Nine, which, according to many, is, is still one of the best Star Trek series ever. So there is still a lot for me to, to discover, and I'm just going to uh, enjoy that to the fullest in the, in the next couple of uh, weeks or months. I also uh, watched uh, or rewatched an older movie, um, and the reason was I, I get a, like a weekly or monthly update of, of series and films that are leaving Netflix. So you think of Netflix and of these streaming platforms as having this static library, just like your regular book library. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't throw away books. You can always go back and and um, and get it and reread it again. But with the movies, of course, you've got these licenses that are only for a determinate time. And so Netflix keeps booting these older films and, and series after a while. And in that update, I saw, well, hey, there are two movies that I, I can't remember it. And one, one was called Along Came a Spider. And it uh, features Morgan Freeman. Um, and... I vaguely remember having seen the DVD of that movie, but it was it's just one of those movies from the 90s. It wasn't a very good movie, but I was just in for something not so complicated. I, uh, so I, so I rewatched it, and it was interesting. Uh, there's a bit of a twist somewhere towards the end, which I once the twist was there, I was like, oh, I remember now. Yes, of course. <laughs> How could I forget? But uh, all in all, a pretty forgettable movie and also a bit sloppy plot-wise and not very likely. But anyway, it was, a, it was an interesting watch. And it just reminded me of how young these actors all were. Like Morgan Freeman in the, in the 1990s is, uh, is still, you know, he's doing all the, the running himself. And nowadays he, he just do, does voiceovers. So it's always a bit of a shock when you when you realize how much time has passed and how old I am. <laughs> Actually, I, I'm not even sure if that movie was from the 90s. Um, maybe it is. Let me just Google that real quick. Um, maybe it's from 2000. Oh, it's 2001. Okay, well. <laughs> and some of the actors you never saw again afterwards. So in these older films, sometimes you see um, you, see, you see actors that have continued their career afterwards, and sometimes it's just this, oh, I remember that she was super popular back then, and where did she go? <laughs> so people just completely stop acting. Anyway, so that was my segment about movies and TV shows. We need to talk about uh, stuff happening in the Catholic Church. There's rock, quite a rock, Catholics rock! It's time for The Peculiar Bunch. This is the segment where I explain stuff happening in the church, in the Catholic church, and you may not always understand Catholics it. This can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. Oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So if you have any questions, if you've ever been wondering about stuff and you just want me to try to give you an answer, let me know. You know how to find me. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Today I want to talk about something in the news from the Vatican that I think for most people just passed under the radar, 
but it's it's still pretty consequential and uh, and interesting, and I did not see this coming. Pope Francis has changed the code of canon law, which he can do using uh, a motu proprio. So that is uh, something that the Pope just by himself decides, I'm, I'm going to make this change. Um, establishing that from now on, two ministries that were officially, formally, uh, only reserved to and only available to men are now open to women. It is the ministry of lector, so that is the person who reads the, the biblical readings during Mass, and the ministry of acolyte. So that is uh, someone who serves at the altar, who helps the priest and the deacon to, uh, w- to prepare the altar, to uh, carry the candles and all sorts of stuff. Um, and what is so interesting is that this, of course, in, in many parishes, women already had a, a, an active role in the liturgy, and not just as you know, singers or, uh, or behind the scenes, as it were, but also uh, around the altar. Um, but that was actually an exception. That was just a... Um, not, it wasn't a formal ministry. The ministry of lector and acolyte were, uh, um, in the past, always linked to steps towards the ordination. So when you are in seminary and you're studying to become a priest, at one point, after a couple of years, you are instituted a lector and that there is a uh, formal ceremony with the bishop and um, you then are given the, the mission by the church, so it's, it's about sanctioning someone uh, or, or tasking someone with uh, an important role in the community and in the liturgy, we were tasked to also read during Mass. Um, and then that was a first step, and it was a big deal, and we celebrated that, because then you, you knew that, well, hey, uh, we, we are moving forward towards ordination. And then the second uh, ministry that we received was the ministry of acolyte. And I've been an altar boy for most of my life, ever since I did my first communion. Um, and I never stopped doing that. So it's not that I wasn't an acolyte. I was never a formal, formally an acolyte. I never received a ministry. So I was doing uh, the, the tasks of an acolyte. Just like uh, uh, younger women or older women can, are, are already doing that. But it was all, always... Um, Kind of more seen as as an uh, an unofficial uh, task or unofficial uh, ministry, um, and and so this this ritual where the bishop gives you the uh, the ministry of or and tasks you with the service of the altar that was linked to the ordination. That was also also the reason that canon law was stipulating that that those two ministries were only available to men, because well. Only man can be ordained deacons and priests. Um, and there, there's been discussion about this for several years. And there were theologians that were of the opinion that you could not open this, these ministries to women because it would create an expectation that the church was moving towards the ordination, so the priestly ordination of women, which is something that the Catholic Church doesn't feel allowed to do. Uh, it's, it's, Jesus has never um, appointed women as his apostles, and so we we can only work within the confines of what Jesus did, because our, our sacraments are linked to what he showed us. 
Um, and so there's an intrinsic, according to the, the current Catholic theology, there's an intrinsical uh, reason for the fact that we only ordain men to the priesthood, doesn't, de- doesn't want to devalue women or doesn't want to uh, convey that women are inferior to men, uh, but it's just a different, you know, different tasks or different uh, positions for, for, you know, men and women. However, uh, this the linking the ministry of lecture and acolyte to ordination was something that came from, uh, let's say, the, 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 the church, the Catholic um, uh, code of canon law before the reforms in the 60s and 70s, before Vatican II. And there were even more moments in the road to the priesthood. You, could all, you were also ordained a subdeacon, etc. So there were all sorts of small rituals to kind of mark the different phases toward in, in, in the progression towards the priesthood. But that was more a con, um, a con, something that was convenient, but it was not intrinsically linked to the ministry of reading. F- the fact is that any bishop, uh, even before last week, could uh, appoint man to be uh, a lector or an acolyte that had no intention whatsoever to, to become a priest or to be ordained. Um, married man could also receive these ministries. So th- this is the reason that Pope Francis has said, well, you know, maybe traditionally this was linked to the progression towards the priesthood, but formally it's not. It's, this is just a, a very important ministry in the liturgy of the church. I want this to be open to men and women, and and it this this connection to the priesthood that is 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 not exclusive. It's, it's, these will still be ministries that you receive on the road to the priesthood, but it doesn't mean that. If you are a lector and acolyte, acolyte, you're necessarily going to be become a priest because that was already not the case. The Pope only changed one word, uh, the the Latin word vir, uh, which means man. He removed that from from the the paragraph about these ministries, and so now it's anyone, a man or woman, uh, that can receive this uh, this ministry. Now, of course. Um, what remains to be seen is if bishops are going to do this uh, on a large scale. Uh, I remember that, um, uh, I think two years ago, we made a request to my bishop that we would be, uh, that he would grant a few people from our community to uh, be, um, uh, to receive, to officially receive the ministry of acolyte. We wanted to have some kind of professional trained acolytes that could help with the, the especially the more complicated liturgies, etc. And we felt that, well, this is such an important task that, that warrants an official uh, appointment and maybe the bishop could, would, would like to come over and, and uh, institute some of those uh, acolytes. And he, he didn't want to. And we got a, a reaction from the diocese saying, well, no, uh, the bishop uh, wants to reserve this for candidates to the priesthood. So we don't do official acolytes. And I remember that when I got that reaction, I was like, okay, that is, of course, uh, the, the bishop can decide to do that. But I don't think this is what canon law actually uh, wants us to do. Uh, again, because the, 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 it's not intrinsically linked to the priesthood. So I, don't, I didn't understand. I still don't understand why uh, they 
refused to um, to uh, institute um, these you know these formal acolytes in the parish. Maybe because of this new uh, motu proprio by Pope Francis, maybe bishops will be a little bit more willing to um, to follow up on that. For for me, the 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 reason that we made that formal re- request was that we wanted to give people in the parish a certain identity. Uh, like it's much easier to motivate people to receive training and also to deepen their faith if you give them a task you can you can link that to you know you can become an official lector and an official acolyte but we're going to form you we're going to prepare you for that and that of course would only benefit the laity in our in our parishes and would uh, give us um, people that could in um, in turn also play a role in the formation of other people that are active in the, in the liturgy. So, interesting development, nothing too, too revolutionary, um, but I think this, this is the... Well, I think not that my opinion matters, but I, I'm, I'm glad that the Pope decided to do this. And uh, it, it's just another way to make sure that we involve as many people as possible in the life of the Church, men and women. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? So I finished the, the book that I mentioned last week uh, that I was reading, the science fiction novel called Winter World. It is the first of, I think, a trilogy by a writer called A.G. Riddle. Uh, it's a story of um, a scientist, technician, and uh, an astronaut, a female astronaut, that um, through all sorts of events, most of which are pretty unlikely, get together on a mission to destroy an alien ship um, that is threatening the Earth. And uh, I, I think I, I called it like popcorn science fiction last week. Now that I've finished the first, uh, the first book, I would say... Mm, it's not the best popcorn, let's put it that way. The more the book advances, the more pretentious it becomes, but also it's so lazy in terms of plot develop- development. Everything that happens is so convenient. Like, uh, at one point, they're back on Earth, and then, of course, the aliens are still there, and so what do we do? Well, we'll just take another rocket and fly towards the sun. So apparently, these alien ships are hurling towards the sun at an incredible speed. But then, you know, so there's this one chapter and it ends with, okay, let's go. We're we're going back into space. And we are the only people, for some reason, and (laughs) they're the only people that can do this. And you're like, okay, but um, probably NASA and the rest of the world has people that are overqualified for this mission. So why... Do these two people get the chance? And, and, and why only these two people, you know? Life on Earth depends on this, and you just send these two random people that are also happen to be in love, which is another, you know, part of the book that is so clunky, <laughs> unlikely. Um, so why do you fall in love with this guy? Well, just because the book tells us to fall in love. There is nothing that these people have in common. Um so the, the, the one chapter ends with, okay, let's go back and let's see if we can do something about these aliens. The next chapter, so we're in space approaching this spaceship. And it's like, what the? You just skipped an entire 
chapter explaining how they got back in space and how can they even organize <laughs> to, to get you in space in like in the time span of a few days. And then not only are they uh, recontacting the aliens, but apparently they also have tons of equipment that they can use to like launch nuclear warheads. It's, oh, oh, it's just so disappointing. And then... I'm just going to spoil what's happening because I don't, I, I don't think this is worth your time reading. But at one point, they do make first contact with the aliens. And then the aliens reveal, and this is the kind of what the book is working towards, like the big reveals. Why are you causing this long winter on Earth? And what is happening? And then the alien, or whatever it is, is this entity is like, well... We're going to reveal you the next step for humanity. This is all part of a much bigger plan and humanity is evolving. And, and then it describes the next step. So what, what is superior to the kind of life that we currently live here on Earth? And then what the aliens present us as the next big thing in, in human existence, I'm like, well, why on Earth... Is that considered to be the next step? This is like 10 steps back in time, backwards. The, 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 there's no appeal to this. There's no reason for this. There's no logic to this. This is rubbish. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, another 10 hours and I'll never get back. <laughs> you know what this reminded me of? Um, remember, uh, uh, I think it's called Artemis. Um, which was the uh, the the next the, the novel? It's not a sequel, um, but it, it's no, it's not Artemis. Um, the, the Ready Player One, right? The which is a fantastic book, and there's now a sequel to the book. Was Ready Player Two? Apparently, it's not that good. Um, uh, Ernest Klein wrote that book, but then. After the success of Ready Player One, he wanted to write another novel, uh, kind of in the same vein, appealing to, to geeks. Um, and I was super interested because I, I, I loved Ready Player One so much. And so he wrote, in 2015, he wrote Armada. And I bought it the day it came out, read it in the week following. And I was so disappointed. It was so... A nothing burger, really. <laughs> and, and the plot was very similar to this book. It was also like there is this, I think, a moon or something like that. And there's this alien intelligence. And so they've been training people in secret using video games. And it was, it was so unlikely and so crazy, the plot. And not crazy in a good way. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> take us more seriously as readers this is ridiculous and apparently Steven Spielberg had already commissioned this or, or gotten the rights to, to this book even without reading it without knowing what it was going to be about um, in order to make it into a movie but I'm thinking oh Spielberg he, when he read that book he must have thought oh my gosh I can't believe I paid millions to, for the rights to this story it is just so so par anyway Am I going to read the other two books in the trilogy? Mm, maybe. Maybe. It's an easy read. So it's and it's kind of pulpy science fiction. So eh, 
maybe if I'm in the mood and I have nothing more intelligent to 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 read. In the meantime, I welcome your suggestions for good science science fiction. Now, please, I know Dune. Yes, I know uh, Asimov. But something maybe a little bit more modern and kind of up to date because I'm still struggling with Dune. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, maybe I'll just wait for the movie and then read the book. I don't know. I'm just lazy. The scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. This is my science segment, and I've got a couple of cool things that I read this week, and I just wanted to talk about it here. Remember the Curiosity rover that was sent to Mars to make pretty pictures and do lots of research? Well, this thing has been on Mars for 3,000 days now. That's insane. And to celebrate its uh, 3,000th daily birthday, um, the Curiosity rover sent over a beautiful photo. It's a panorama based on, I think, about 150 individual photos that they stitched together. And it shows it shows the Martian landscape. And in the forefront, and that makes the, the photo so beautiful. So in the back the background, you see these hazy hills. And it, it almost looks like something that was painted for, for a movie or something like that. And then in the foreground, a lot of the pictures that we saw and the photos that were taken by these rovers are kind of boring it's just flat and some rocks in the foreground and you've got this uh this uh fish eye distortion of the photo and oftentimes they were just traveling over uh landscapes that were flat of course because these rovers cannot really navigate mountains or anything so they're usually in on flat surfaces but this photo is very cool because in the distance you see these mountains and in the foreground, there are some sediments, there, is, there are rocks that are formed by water, and they're thousands of years old. And uh, you see these layers, and it's, it's so cool to see that kind of geological formations in photos, because it, you realize, I'm, I'm watching it, something, there used to be water here on this planet. And, and to see that, not just like theoretical proof that there was once water, but you see it in the photos, like this kind of formation can only be made thanks to water um awesome photo i'll link to it in the show notes second piece of news also from space was had to do with wine and not just wine but french bordeaux so one of the best most appreciated uh, types of wine um was involved in a, a research mission to uh to the uh, international space station so they brought wine and also vines of uh, certain types of uh, grapes into space, kept it there for a while, and then they brought it back to Earth. And they're currently going to do some research on what happened with the wine, with the ripening of the wine, and also with the vines that they send up there. And the reason is that according to the scientists that have... Uh, um, that came up with this uh, this idea. Um, wine is v very um, dependent on on the climate, right? And we all know the climate is changing very rapidly. And so, 
the vines, the plants themselves, apparently have uh, gone through very rapid e- uh, evolutions over the over the centuries to constantly adapt to the changing climate in France or in other parts of the world. And because there is such a quick evolution, it, it gives you like a compact version of what the rest of nature is doing and how nature is reacting to climate change. And so, uh, according to these scientists, being in a weightless environment is the ultimate stress test. So, plants, of course, are not meant to grow in space in, in without gravity. And so, they want to see how these little plants have been evolving in uh, in, in, in space, in, in weightlessness, to hopefully then deduct uh, some knowledge about how uh, nature in general and plants and trees are maybe adapting to climate change. Uh, and, and so, anyway, I don't have the details, but I, th- I just thought it was a, a stunt, you know, just send up a couple of bottles of wine into space and then bring them back and sell them for uh, tens of thousands of dollars for a charity. But no, 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 this was, this was a scientific experiment. I, it must have been so hard for the, the astronauts up there. They're drinking all their, uh, you know, protein drinks every day and <laughs> the food cannot be too good up, up there. And then to have that, you know, nice quality French wine in space with you and then you have to send it back and you cannot have a glass. <laughs> it's a good thing there were no French astronauts on board because otherwise I think there would have been a major problem in uh, <laughs> in the execution of the test. Oh, but uh, yes, we, we, took, we opened the bottle because of course we have to do quality control. Very important. And as French astronauts, of course, <laughs> we are the best in quality control. Unfortunately, there's no more wine left. <laughs> and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was an awesome, cool um, AI article that I read about fish, robotic fish. Now, that is nothing new. Um, people have been developing, technicians have been developing artificial fish for a couple of years now. And if you, if you, if you look for videos on YouTube, you see a, 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 some very, very cool examples of, of robotic fish behaving and, 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 and swimming like real fish. The motion, apparently, of fish is pretty e- easy to mimic. Plus, of course, it's in the water, so you don't have... The gravity is not as much a problem with propulsion as it is with, you know, biped or, or quadrupedic... Quadri- quadrupede? I don't know. Robots with four legs. <laughs> But what is new is that in this particular experiment, they created a number of fish with LED lights that can see each other. And they equipped each fish with artificial intelligence able to make autonomous decisions on where to swim and how to join the other fish in the tank. And what they discovered is that with the program that they gave these fish, their behavior starts to mimic schools of fish. Where every fish, there is no leader in a school, right? There's not one super fish that will say, okay, now let's all turn to the right. No, these fish are swimming together in schools and there is swarm behavior where every member of the swarm will 
make decisions based on what their neighbors are doing. And so you get, like, sometimes you see that in the evening with birds that are flying around in these huge swarms. I remember in, in Rome, it was oftentimes in the evening spectacular to see these birds making all sorts of strange patterns and, and, and moving so fast and regrouping and dispersing, and all of a sudden they would all land and then they will fly up again. Um, these robot fish apparently are able to mimic exactly that uh, behavior. And there is a, a YouTube video, again, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes on tridio.com. No, actually, we're posting this on fatherroderick.com. So go to fatherroderick.com and there's a list of links in every episode. And also, by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you go to the comments, there is also a list with the same links um, as well as chapter divisions. That's something new that we're adding so that you can easily um, jump to whatever segment of the show you want to check out. Um, so this, this video shows that these schools of fish, uh, of artificial fish, are also able to do sh uh, simple tasks like finding a light. So there may be just one light source in the tank and the fish are programmed in such a way that they have to look for that, that light source and then swim around it, forming a circle. Now, what makes this so interesting is that this is this swarm behavior is something that you can't do with just one individual uh, uh, robot. Uh, and the swarm behavior itself can create possibilities that, um, that you can't realize with, uh, with just one robot. Um, so apparently the, these swarms can, can do th things together, like finding someone who is drowning, for instance, and then uh, helping that person. The, what makes this so interesting is that there doesn't have to be leadership in the group. There doesn't have to be a programmer who is sending signals or missions to these fish. They're completely autonomous, and yet they can still, working together, solve problems. And so this is going to be, in the future, uh, uh, opening up a whole bunch of, of possibilities for robotic research in situations where you can't have a physical or a data connection. If there's no GPS, there's no... I mean, if, if these fish are swimming around in the ocean deep down below, you cannot always communicate directly with these robots, but they can communicate amongst each other. And I, I assume that the artificial intelligence will evolve even more over time. They'll still be able to get stuff done, even if there's no, there's no input from, from up above fascinating stuff really really cool and and in the video you see about six or eight fish swimming around and you see their lights they have these blue leds so you can you can see their movement and it is pretty stunning to see that their movement indeed resembles real fish uncanny we are on the cutting edge of technology wow well what does that mean plug it in it's going to say hey i see you plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers you'll notice that this scanner built whoa well all your technology stuff it just ends in disaster but there is one more thing it's uh, the tech segment and i guess the robotic fish could may have been part of this tech section as well <laughs> but it's it's science and technology um 
I've been playing around a little bit, little bit more with my Google uh, infrastructure here in the house. I, I have the smart devices, the Google Nest, uh, and um, I recently purchased purchased two more of those uh, Nest hubs. So little screens. They're about the size of a, a a big tablet, or actually a big phone or small tablet. Um, and but they can't do that much. And at first, I was like, well, why would I buy that? It's but then I had the bigger hub in the kitchen, with which has a camera, has really good audio, and I use that all the time. And I've also installed a lot of these Philips Hue lights all over the place. So I can switch on the lights just by giving commands to my Google Nest devices. Um, and I can also program certain light schemes. So I, in the morning, I, I turn everything to daylight. So it's this, this color of light that triggers the production of uh, stimulants in the brain. So light, the color of light actually has an impact, has a, a, pr a proven biochemical uh, effect on on how you feel. So in the morning, the light is very white, white color, just like uh, sunlight. And then in the evening, I do the opposite. I turn the lights like to almost orange, so it's less um, invasive, and it, it it helps me to calm down and to get ready for bed. And then when I uh, in the in the night, during the night, I've got a uh, like a remote switch, and if I press that, it will just put the lights on on ten percent, so I can find my way through the house if I need to get up. Um, but it's, and it, it's got like, for instance, a kind of a bluish color that resembles the moon. So I, I, I'm really excited about all these possibilities of, of, uh, setting up these various color schemes throughout the day and throughout the night. But, uh, I'd been playing around with it. I'd been moving these bulbs from room to room. And so I, I, I finally found some time to reset all the lights and reprogram Everything And now I'm using these uh, smaller Nest hubs next to the computers where I work. So I've got my working, my editing computer and podcasting computer here down the stairs. So I just installed this little uh, screen here on the left. And it has no camera, but it still is able to sense if I'm, in, if I'm near it or not. And I think it uses uh, audio to do that. So if I if I walk away, it will dim automatically dim the screen, um, and you can I think even trigger some other actions if you're not in front of that screen. Um, and I, I I had no idea that it could do that. I knew that from the bigger Nest Hub in the kitchen that it could do that because it has a camera. So I was like, okay, it's just switching on. It even recognizes my face. So it presents me with, uh, for instance, the first calendar items on the screen without me asking. But then I noticed, and I had another one near the computer in my bedroom, which is kind of my hobby computer, um, and I noticed in the morning when I woke up and I walked towards the desk, the screen would come up, and it would, uh, <clears throat> you know, give me the weather forecast and, and even display some <clears throat> icons that I could press to activate, uh, you know, play some music and activate the, the lights, etc., so that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute, this, this, this device can actually see me using sound waves. That is so cool. And also, in a certain way, <laughs> it is, you know, more robust from a privacy 
point of view because I if I wake up and I have not uh, taking it I've not you know I'm not dressed yet and my hair is well I don't have hair that's all over the place because I don't have that much hair but anyway my morning face is not what you want to have on camera let's put it that way <laughs> so this device being able to sense that I'm there and politely offer me some options without taking a picture of my face, that is actually a very good thing. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Anyway, it's fun. And I also discovered that they keep adding new abilities to these uh, smart devices. Um, and, and I only noticed when I was reconfiguring everything that it, it offered me an option to detect whether I was home or not. So apparently it uses, if I allow it, of course, my phone to uh, to detect if I'm still in a certain radius around the house in the church. So if I go beyond, let's say, 500, 600 meters, I can program it in such a way that it, uh, for instance, uh, turns off all the lights or it turn turns down the heating. Now, I don't have uh, a smart, smart heating system here. Um, I've been asking for some advice, but since I don't know if I can, you know, if I, uh, if they will allow me to stay in this rectory uh, in the next foreseeable future, I have not installed any of that, but I will, if I can stay here, I will definitely uh, link the heating system to the smart uh, equipment as well, because that can save a ton of energy. If I go out for a walk or a run, for instance, um, and I forget to turn down the temperature, it could just see that, hey, he's out of the action radius, uh, so he's, he's in outer space now. <laughs> we can just dim the lights and lower the temperature, or the opposite. It can also, um, when I, for instance, go on a, on a trip or anything, maybe I want some lights to, to switch on, uh, especially when evening falls, so that burglars, potential burglars, will notice that, hey, there is, you know, this is not an abandoned house. We need to... We need to skip this. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's fascinating to discover how much it can do. I'm still trying to figure out how to pair these speakers. I know that you can use these smaller Nest Minis and set them up as speaker pairs, just like what Apple can do with their speakers. Um, but apparently that doesn't work, for instance, if you have like a, a Nest Hub with a screen plus an, uh, just an audio uh, Nest device, it can't use those two speakers in, in stereo for some reason, which is kind of beyond me why not. Um, and it, it feels like such a waste of money and technology to put two, two of those speaker devices in one room. And the audio is not going to be you know anything like real speakers anyway. So still working on figuring out what it can do and what it can't do. But um, I'm using it more and more. And, and it's, it's, it's only the beginning, <laughs> which may be scary also, because at one point is, is, the, is the computer, is, is Google going to make decisions that I don't want to have, I, I don't want them to make? Like, um, Dave, why did you leave the house without notifying me the next time you want to go out for a run? I'm going to lock the door. I need you to be here with me. Ooh, scary. <laughs> anyway, another cool uh, tech thing or actually AI-related thing is an app that I uh, discovered, uh, well, discovered, it's kind of uh, starting to go viral right now. 
and it uses AI, artificial intelligence, to, to create paintings in different styles on the basis of a selfie. And it is scary. It is really weird. So you upload a, se- a selfie, it will analyze it, and then it will do, like, I, I guess this is done with deep learning. It creates portraits of you, but then in the style of, I don't know, a French French artists in the 17th century or and it has a ton of different filters and every portrait looks different. Now, a lot of these portraits don't look like me at all. And of course, it shows the same kind of face, but then it gives me a mustache, it, it, it changes my eyes, the mouth is very different, the face is much smaller, I've got a pretty square head and apparently the, the kind of paintings that it tries to emulate are based on, I don't know, people that are a lot thinner than I am and don't have a square face so i'm like uh that doesn't really look like me but it's still it could have could be a remote cousin or something like that but it is so interesting to play around with it um i think i think they're going to make a ton of money because the app is free to download but uh, after i think you can try it out for three weeks and then you are invited to sign up for a subscription uh i think it's 20 bucks a year which is you know quite expensive um but of course it it kind of the 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 makers hope that you're so excited and you start sharing all these portraits and that after uh, uh you know a short time after 3 days you're like oh, i i want to be able to use this on photos of my mom or my friends or my partner and uh, <laughs> people will cough up the the 20 euros to keep using it and of course the, the, the end result, I, I posted a, a photo or a, a, the result, like three portraits that it made on the basis of one selfie on my Instagram account. So you can take a look at Father Roderick on Instagram to see for yourself. Um, the, the, the free version gives you like this square photo that is instantly shareable. And it, it reminded me a bit of the, remember a while ago, I think it was a Snapchat filter that could turn you into an older version of yourself. And that went super viral because everybody wanted to share these funny, creepy photos of themselves, but then, you know, at an old age, not realizing that that filter actually was gathering a ton of personal data for a Russian firm or something like that. So uh, always you have to always be careful with what data you just give away because there is no such thing, no such thing as something that's completely free. You're always paying with something. In this case, probably paying with my with my own face not that my face is not anywhere else on the internet right so yeah but it's interesting to see how far ai has come and i have to say it really looks as if i hired a painter to paint of my portrait and well i I probably wouldn't pay him (laughs) because it doesn't look like me but it still is like something you could see in a museum i think people are going to have a lot of fun with it and with that it is time to wrap things up here on my weekly show thank you so much for listening if you uh, don't have enough and you want to hear me some more maybe you want to check out my other show it's called Father Roderick to the Max which is available to my patrons over at patreon.com slash Father Roderick and uh, this week I'm going to give you my recipe for mushroom pasta with goat cheese I will tell you what I learned about goal setting this week Um, I also talk a little bit about the uh announcement that 
Star Wars games in the future will be labeled Lucasfilm games, and they're no longer tied to Electronic Arts anymore. But the ramifications of that decision, I will, uh, I will, I have some opinions. I put it that way. Also, talk a little bit about Lego and about Ash Wednesday in times of Corona. All that and more in Father Roderick to the Max, available to my patrons on Patreon.com/slash Father Roderick. See you next week. Have a great week. Stay healthy. And God bless.